Today's episode is not what I thought it was going to be. I have a good friend, Brittany McBean. She is a fantastic copywriter for high six and seven figure earners. And we were going to talk all about beta messaging and we do, but we dig into a lot more. So no matter if you're a service provider or you're launching that second revenue stream, you are going to want to stick around for this heated, but amazing conversation. So let's jump on in. Welcome to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs scale their online business to five-figure months so they can soar into six-figure years. Your host, Brandy, is a wife, mom, and in less than one year, created a six-figure business. And now she is spilling all her secrets so you can too. Hey, 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 Serve Scale Soar. Oh my goodness, y'all. I'm so excited because today I have a special guest on the podcast, Brittany. And Brittany has not only been one of my copywriters before, but she is an amazing friend, a person, a mom, and I will let her do all the introductions. But Brittany, I'm so excited for you to be on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about who you are as a person and then about what you do for work. Thanks, Brandy. I mean, you summed it up. Who I am as a person is tired and anxious. But as far as work, I am a copywriter. I am a commission copywriter specifically for launches and funnels for brands, businesses, and entrepreneurs who have online programs, scalable offers, digital courses, memberships, coaching, all of that stuff. So right in your wheelhouse, which is why we've had the fun time of working together. I've been in business for about almost a full three years now. This has started out really, really slow and then scaled really, really, really quickly, which meant I had a lot of catching up to do, which has been a fun and wild ride. I work out of my home. I have a four-year-old. She's in school three mornings a week when school is open because there isn't a surge. And so and my husband works from home and he is the primary parent slash also does full-time mental health counseling in the addiction and recovery field. And so we are really just kind of hanging on, surviving, not thriving, and just doing it every day and waiting for this season of life to change, but also finding some really fun and exciting ways of doing business and getting creative, even in the middle of everything that's you know been happening the past couple of years, which I know you know, like having a kid that's not school age, but still having to work full time and figure out what that what that looks like. Yeah. And I think so many moms can relate to this. I like want to be 100% transparent as always with everyone. Austin is the full-time caregiver and when it comes to Riley. And so our life in terms of working and stuff didn't change. She wasn't in school. She is now. Now I understand the whole, like when parents are like, Hey, my kids are going to be home. This stinks. I'm like, why do they care if their kids? And now I understand like it does stink when they're home after they've been gone for a week. But we have adjusted the last four months with living condo to condo and me not having a office. And I'm definitely like in there with y'all. I'm like, right now I'm like, I don't have all my fancy buttons. I have a horrible background and I'm definitely, I never want to say like, I've been in the trenches with this because I definitely think that we're blessed that Austin is the primary caregiver for Riley. But now that she's in school, when they're not in school, it's definitely a whole different thing. 
Well, and I think like, regardless of your circumstance, full-time childcare, you know, a parent that's able to provide childcare, a kid in school, like when you're owning your own business, it's hard enough when you're just trying to figure out what that looks like. And then you add in the ups and downs of the pandemic or, or literally anything that's happened, you know, recently. And, and it's just hard. And I think that there's a lot of like, unknowns that come with it and a lot of decisions and a lot of decision fatigue and a lot of things to think through. And so regardless of who's watching your kid and when they're watching it, I think it is hard and I, you are in the trenches and you have a really wonderful partner that does full-time care for your kid. And that's, that's great. I love where this conversation is going. This is not what we're talking about today, y'all. I mean, (laughs) it will probably get woven in because it's life, but it's definitely not what we're talking about. But I do think this leads us into a great discussion about what we are going to talk about, which is, you know, we have serve scale sword that helps you scale your one-on-one services. But one of the reasons that we created beta to biggie was in the middle of 2020, when I saw a lot of them service go from like having 10K, 11K months to like dropping down to zero because all their businesses, when they were working with local businesses or even online businesses that like their life just changed, they lost a lot of clients. And I've always had multiple streams of income in my business. Even when I came in, I made sure I had affiliates, had my one-on-one services. And then 11 months from having services, we created Serve Scale Sort. And so in that moment, I was like, gosh, we need to help our people have multiple streams of income. And so that's when Beta to Biggie was formed. And one of the things now that we've had Beta to Biggie over a year now is hey, there's this gap between becoming a service provider and then, hey, I'm ready to launch my program. And we get people there. But the part that we've seen that trips up people the most is how do we get an audience when we don't have an audience? And how do we know what the heck they want? And Brittany is such an amazing person to bring on here and talk about this because she is so good it finding what people want and aligning that with the messaging for your program. So Brittany, when we're talking about this, what kind of comes up in your mind when, you know, you, you work with so many people, you see this, you're in everyone's brand voice and all that. So tell me like, what do you see happening? Yeah. A couple different things. It's really, I love so much what you teach and I loved working with you and diving into your program and just how you present things. Cause you're so good at helping people start where they are and work with what they have and set super, super reasonable expectations and like maximize the minimum viable launch, but like really realistically, like what is a realistic outcome? And then what do we do next? And how do we turn that and leverage it into the next thing? And internally, we had a similar experience where we were doing the client work and it actually got really, really busy around 2020 because the online boom was just exploding even more. And my family life was also getting busier because my kid got pulled out of school or preschool and, and my husband was working from home and everything was just a little crazy. And so we kind of said like, we need to diversify income a little bit and just kind of like take the pressure off a little bit of the client side, but also just have more than one thing going on in the business and, you know, using like what I love doing in multiple ways and all of this. So once we built out the team for us to do it, and for me, that was just because of how I work and, and like having ADHD and depression, anxiety, I was just really overwhelmed and I needed some support. And we were able to launch a beta program and it was like a true beta, um, never done before, not even like a different version of it. That program was not created, but I was able to launch a beta group program 
program. It was a eight week program and we made $30,000 on that first launch and the program was not created yet. And then I also launched a DIY course. So we're still like optimizing and testing with, but I've um, launched that twice only through email. The first time was one email and we sold 11,000 in that product. We sold, I think 59 units. And then the second launch was like five emails and we did maybe like five or 6,000. We raised the price and obviously it had been launched before. That was really cool. Kind of doing a true beta, like not anywhere near um, what I've been doing before working with clients. And then a lot of times I have clients come to me and they're coming with an established brand and an established audience and wanting to go in a new direction. And so like, this is work that like very similar to like what Rick and I did, Rick Mulready and I did together and what you and I did together of like, I have this brand, I have this audience, people know me, I'm a leader in the space and I want to really develop this like more robust program. That's kind of a little bit of a, a different path from what I've been sharing before and, and, that also is a challenge because even though you have this established audience, you know, you can have a list of a hundred thousand people, but if it's a hundred thousand people that aren't right for your new program, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do the new program, but it means like we've got some intentional work to do to make sure that we're segmenting out the right traffic and we're warming people up in the right way. And we're making sure that people know that this is who I am now. This is what my brand does. And either it's a pivot and a change from the old brand, or it's an addition to the existing brand. And they both have really different challenges, but we've been able to have success, you know, internally launching our own offers for the first time, you know, a five-figure launch that I was really proud of and didn't expect. And then helping clients who do have more established brands offering a brand new product for the first time with new messaging, saying something they've never said before to an audience they've never really spoken before to, you know, multi-six-figure launches the first time out. And so I think they're two very different launches and two different pre-launches. And also there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. And so I think my audience is going to benefit definitely best from talking about going from service provider to now you have this program and it may not be a DIY version of your services. I teach that there's three journeys that you can go on or three ways that you can launch. And the topics would either be your journey. So that would be serve scale sore. Like Mm -hmm. here's what I did follow my route. I think that's similar to what yours is. Maybe Mm -hmm. the second one is a DIY version of your done for you. So this is your services and you're just creating something that's more accessible to more people and that gives you a break. And then the third one is a hobby. So it has nothing to do with your journey, has nothing to do with your services. It's just something you're super passionate about. And so most of my audience is coming in. They've been doing services. Now they're ready to create that second revenue stream. And they're like, but how do I find the people who want what I have? How do I get into that messaging? And I want to also preface that Brittany's results for her beta are 100% possible, but not typical. It was Um, insane. Like 45% lead to sale conversion. It was bonkers. Like I'm never going to replicate that. And that's okay. (laughs) And so I just want everyone with our betas, my, when we launched surf scale Soar, it was a membership. So it's not like a $2,000 or a thousand dollars. It was $37 a month. And then we had a few pay in full and the first, it was like 3000. Like those are pretty typical. What we see in beta to biggie is like two to 7,000 is about where people are falling on their beta. But then for some of you who already have an audience, we launched conversions for clients already had an audience at that point, And it was over a six figure launch. So there's difference in the journey of where you are, but I just want people to know, like, this is part of setting that expectation is most people are not having $30,000 betas. 
even if that's what we think, all we hear, typical betas we see are between two and 7,000, especially for service providers coming that don't have an audience. And I always say your beta is not about making money. It's about validating Mm -hmm. your idea. And then you can make money after that. So that's where they are. So let's talk about how do we start attracting those people for this brand new program when we've never focused on email list, we've never focused on social media because we've always been behind the scenes as service providers. Yeah. And, and you and I like really have the same perspective on an email list for service providers is that your email list is for a scalable or leveraged offer, not for your clients. And so if you've only served clients and have not had the like the foresight or the intention of doing this, then like that list just isn't there, period. I will also say with the beta and, and it might be helpful to talk about because again, like that why that happened and how unreplicatable is really important. But it also was like way, 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 way underpriced. And I let people know it was very underpriced. And it was very much like it is at this price point because it's going up and because I you know, don't know what this is. And so a lot of people jumped in out of curiosity and it went from a $500 price point and you know, 60 units sold to a $2,000 price point and like 18 or 20 units or something like that. So big, big change in those two launches. And it was super underpriced and it was very, very, very um, transparent about like what the price was, what it was going to be, when we were launching again, when they should save their money, when this might be the time for them. And so, yeah, it was definitely a bit of lightning in a bottle. So I want to say that I teach, but the reality is I preach this and I will stand on a soapbox forever and ever. But I always, always, always believe that messaging, um, impactful, compelling, converting messaging and offers always starts with audience. And so the thing that I teach my students is AOC and not the politician, although she's goat, but audience offer copy is always your order of operation. So that means we don't ever, ever, ever start with the message or the words, which are two different things. We don't ever start with the offer. We start with our audience. And so Seth Godin has this great quote. And I honestly, I feel like I say it every time I open my mouth because it just really like, it really kind of has shaped my perspective of how I approach this. But he says, don't ever um, find customers for your products, find products for your customers. And that means starting with audience. So that means if you're like sitting around and you're like, okay, what are all the ways I can make money? What are the things that I could sell? What would not like what I'm good at, not what do people want, but literally just like, how could I make a buck? Right. And you come up with this product. You're like, I think somebody will buy this. And then you get it out there. That's probably not going to convert at a high level. And it probably is not going to be sustainable and generate revenue over time because you started with your product. But when you look at the people, whether they're in your audience or in your world, so this doesn't mean this has to be all the people on your email list, right? It's like, who are the people that you have access to that are having conversations, expressing problems, gaps that you see in the market that you know you can solve? And so for really tangible example, what that looked like for me, so I was serving clients and I was serving more advanced uh, six and seven figure business owner, course creators, and they could afford my services. They were not looking for a DIY version. So that's not the right, like my services were the product for that audience. And that offer came after, you know, working with those people in that kind of target. But I also noticed other copywriters having these conversations about, I just keep kept seeing this word like premium pop up over and over. How do I work with premium clients? How do I make that leap to a premium client? How do I build out a premium copywriting business? How do I even build out a business that can charge five figures? Because most of our investments are five figure investments, um, except for like a VIP day. And I just kept seeing this conversation and I didn't see it being answered in a really 
tangible way. And so it wasn't that these were necessarily all the people on my email list or, but it was like, I'm in this world. I see this audience and I kind of cracked the code by sheer necessity and not having any experience at all in a copywriting business and how to build out this business that commands five figures, not just from a forward-facing branding perspective, has nothing to do with like high-end fonts, but has everything to do with this client experience that you provide and the experience that you provide before that client even signs a contract because you can't get them to sign a $20,000 contract and be like, once you work with me, it's going to be worth it. And so I saw this gap and just kind of felt like, I think that our systems are replicatable. And I think that what I've learned is something that's really, really valuable. And so I started to build out that program. And then even before I had that list, I started to have that conversation to start, like, we call it putting out the bat signal, right? It's like, okay, these people aren't there yet, but I'm going to start like putting out that bat signal and kind of being that magnet, like that light that the moth's drawn to. And so it's starting with the audience. And like I said, that launch happened without an offer. I was clear on the final outcome that I was promising and I was committed to delivering that. I was clear on large majority of the deliverables and I had the outline of the program, but I stopped and I listened to my people and I did the market research and I did the copy and pasting of all the Facebook group comments. And I did the one-on-one interviews and I'm, I'm happy to talk more about the specifics of that. Um, And I really listened to what was going on and then said, okay, this is the offer I'm going to create. So not again, copy comes last. So not the words that I'm going to tell them to get them excited to buy. This is the promise I'm going to deliver. So it was like listening to my people, getting clear on that promise. And then after you do audience, after you do offer, then you write the words and you just say, Hey, I'm offering this thing that you're saying that you want and need. And in the messaging for that, and I encourage even my clients to do this, even when they have an established brand, you know, I was really, really, really clear with people. Uh, this product is not yet created. It's not because I'm lazy. It's not because this is a cash grab. It's because I know the outcome that you want and need. And that is like your investment is getting you that outcome. And I need you to help me figure out the best way to deliver that promise. And so this is what the program is going to look like. It's structured. These are the eight weeks. These are the things we're going to learn. This is, you know, it wasn't like pay me money and we'll figure this out. But it was like, I'm creating this in real time because I'm listening to your feedback. I'm looking at your questions and we're adjusting and creating in real time because I'm committed regardless of the price you paid to delivering the outcome I promised. And so this is like a $10,000 outcome that I've charged you $500 for because this is a co-creative process and you need to collaborate with me. And I was very clear, like this first round of this program of this cohort is for people who are going to fill out every feedback form at the end of the lesson, who are going to show up to the Q and A's, who are going to ask hard questions, who are going to submit criticism so that I can keep making this better. This is not a passive experience. I know that was a lot of talking, but that AOC, that audience offer copy, starting with the audience, finding that gap, figuring out what they need, speaking to them, building out that offer that at the minimum delivers the promise. And when I say minimum, that's the most important thing, but you don't have to know all of the deliverables and then optimizing it for your audience. And then just writing the words saying, I made this thing like, here you go. Do you want in? This is what it looks like. I think one of the things that I love about us is we're so on the same track of how to build profitable business. In Beta to Biggie, we do attract, convert, build, and attract is all about messaging. And we talk about 
you know, so many people put out a product like you were saying, and then it flops and they're like, oh, this was a dumb idea. I'll just go back to my services. And it's like, no, you just started in the wrong way. Like you just went the backwards way. Let's start with the attraction, which is finding out what do people actually want? Mm -hmm. Because so many times we get in our head because we actually know what they need, but they don't know that that's the answer. And so if we can meet them where they are, then like the sky's the limit. So meet people with what they want inside serve scale soar, putting this in very practical terms, serve scale soar. Everyone lately has been like, not everyone. I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people have been bashing any marketing towards 10 K months and stuff, but that's what people want. And if you can get them there, like your marketing needs to be what they want. And so we market how to scale to consistent 10 K months without a team. And that's the result that we get people. But inside when they get in there, it's so Mm -hmm. systems heavy. It's like discovery call heavy. And it's focused on the things that I know is going to get them there. But our marketing isn't like here, we're going to teach you to have a 15 minute discovery call because everyone is already like, I can't do that. My calls are 45. And so they want 10K. So don't be afraid to lean in your marketing with what they actually want. And I just don't understand this whole, like right now, everyone's like bashing that when we're in business to make money, people like, I don't know why I just went down this tangent, (laughs) Brittany, something about you. I'm like, can we we pause there for a minute? Because this is a conversation I have with so many clients and students. And it's really interesting because I have a YouTube channel and really it's just like me saying whatever I want to say and like talking about what I'm seeing in the industry because I get the chance to work with clients, but I also do copy coaching inside um, a mastermind of, of entrepreneurs who are making six and seven figures, but right. Like I'm coaching their copy that they're writing. So I get to see like, that's a super interesting place to see like the mistakes that are happening. Cause they've followed all the gurus. And so it's not really at the beginning. There's just, there's this really interesting perspective of seeing the different things that are going on in the marketing and some things are worth bashing. And some things are like, let's think a little more nuanced about this. But one of the things I just um, shared a YouTube video, and I think this one was like six things I learned after writing like 19 funnels in the last 12 months. And one of them was talking to course creators who write in their own copy, like, do not use your experience with your students inside your program and your success stories to influence your top of funnel or mid funnel messaging, because what people think they need is not what you know that they need. And it's also different than what they want. And so like, let me unpack that for just a quick second, because what we know that they need when we're coaching them is not something they are aware of yet. So when you lead with that messaging, they're not there, right? You have to meet them where they are. We always say that any cop you're writing needs to enter the conversation they're having in their head. And they're having a different conversation in their head at different points in the funnel. When they meet you at the top of the funnel, when you've, they've been with you for a while, they've, you know, shifted some beliefs, they've learned some new information. They're kind of tracking with you. It's different in the middle of the funnel. It's different right before they buy. And it's different when they're in their program. And it's different when they've accomplished the outcome of your program. It is different and you cannot take where the conversation they're having in their head at one point in the funnel and plug it into another point of the funnel. And so we can't start there, but we also can't do this. And this phrase, I I like it and I say it a lot, but I also want to like think a little bit deeper because we often say, sell them what they want, give them what they need. If you just stop there, if you just sell them what they want, give them what they need, it feels like a bait and switch, which is not what you're doing and not what we're talking about at all. Right. But if it's like, okay, I know you want this thing, but you actually need this. I'm going to tell you this thing just so you buy this so that I can 
can help you. It feels like a bait and switch. And so I encourage people to think about what do your people think they need? Not what, what do they think they need versus what you know that they need? And then your job is to, in your pre-launch period, no matter how long that is, and that is everything from the content that goes out before you even offer anything before you have a webinar to the webinar, to the show up emails, to the launch emails, whatever you have before somebody gets to your sales page, your job is to both meet them where they are with what they think they need and create these little micro belief shifts until they are ready to buy. And it is okay that once they're in their program, you both give them what they think they need and the next step that is really going to be transformative. And so a super tangible example, like you just said, like the 10 K months versus systems. Absolutely. And we, it's really funny. You and I have similar programs. Mine's just for copywriters and a slightly different methodology, but a a similar kind of outcome. And a lot of times, you know, I ask copywriters, like, what do you think you need? And this was a big part of the conversation, like to sell that first $10,000 package. Like what is the thing that's missing in your business? And if you just had this, you could put that price point and they're like more of a social media presence. I need like, I just need consistency in social media. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Like, do you think, and I don't talk to them this way, but in my head, I'm like, do you think your million dollar client who's, you know, earning a million dollars, $2 million in revenue in their business is scrolling social media, looking for their copywriter? Like, and then they're like, what? Like total mind blown. Right. And so we start that pre-launch a lot of times with the conversation of what if you don't need social media? Because let's think about this. Social media is where People at the beginning of their business are taught to go ask questions, connect with other people in network. The advanced business owners are not using social media. They might check up on you. That is your audition. They're going to scroll your Instagram once they hear your name, but that's not where they're meeting you for the first time. That's not a good use of your time and efforts. And that's that like giant belief shift, even though the program, our program is all about systems and processes and a premium client experience. A lot of the conversation starts at that legion because that's what they think they need. And it's not, but that's where they are. So there you go. Don't use your testimonials and your success stories as your top of funnel messaging and don't give them what they want, sell them what they need, start with what they think they need and then guide them to what they need. And with like 10K months, the big thing that I think that gets people is we're saying consistent 10K months. We're not putting a time frame on there because it's different for everyone. Maybe it took me 10 months. Some people, it takes 30 days. We've seen it in the program, which is crazy. Results not typical. Some people, it takes two years, but yeah. people, if they go through the system, can get there. The problem I think with that is, and no one asked me, but this is my opinion on it, and this is my podcast, so I'll give it. I love is opinions. When, is when we put timelines on it. So I always yeah. say, my messaging is very clear and beta to biggie. I will never, ever promise you 100K in 90 days. Like, mm-hmm. probably not going to happen. It's unrealistic, especially when you're coming out as a service provider, as a brand new course creator, you don't have an email list. I want people to get out of this like belief that they can't talk about money. And especially because I've spent right. this whole podcast debunking that money is a taboo topic. And now especially we're saying for this, women and minorities, I like, know what do you ex- want? go make it. <laughs> I know. And especially now it's so frustrating because I don't scroll. The only thing I'm on Instagram for is like looking at home decor. And so right. when you Same. see these comments, though, they're like, anyone making money claims is like, should be burned at the stake. And it's like, no, probably not. And so I just don't want people to get on, start launching and be like, oh, I can't talk about money. I have to talk about this other stuff because money is why people are in business. So if you're working with B2B, like you want to talk about the money. 
Yeah. Well, the name of my program is called the five figure leap. And I am the person that like, I don't write like figure this, figure that six figure, seven figure. Like I don't usually care for that messaging, but it is like, this is the tangible outcome. And you're right. When you're saying 10 K in 10 days, and it's like promising that, which again, and I love this so much what you say, because a lot of times in the sales pages, I write like with the testimonials, we include an asterisk and the asterisk say like, these results are not typical. And we also include typical results in both the sales pages and the emails, because people need to see what is possible and what is likely at first. And you all do such a good job about not doing that, like in this timeline or this quickly, like if you can't deliver that promise for 90% of your students, it's a bait and switch. And that's not what you do. And you're not even saying like, oh, you think you want 10K months, but you're not going to get that, but you are going to get this other thing that makes you happy. You're saying you want 10K months. You think you get it this way. You actually get it through systems. Once you're in the program, we're going to help you get 10K months through systems, right? And so it's still the same outcome. It's not that bait and switch. And there's a big difference between like 10K months because that's what you're supposed to and because you're not a good person if you can't do it and because you're a failure if you can't do it. And don't you want a jet like me? And don't you want, you know, to drive this like Lambo with the doors that go up and not out? And don't you want to like vacation in, in Fiji? Like all of that shame messaging that's like you have to be this version of a person to be successful versus guess what? A six figure business can still be a little confining because you have margins, you have taxes, you have revenues, you have a team. And if you can start at 10K months, then you can really improve your lifestyle. And then if you can continue to scale that, then you can have a life that like isn't super stressful, that might have a little bit of freedom that gives you some more options and gives you some more choices and allows you to show up more for your family and allows you to provide more for teammates. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's such a bigger thing than 10K months, but that's also the beginning. Like you, you do have to start with that revenue and that's okay. Why should we feel guilty for wanting money? Like if you want less, that's fine. But if you want more, that's fine too. Yeah. And that's why we talk about like defining success on your own terms, whatever that looks like. And so also I think a good segue with this is we get a lot of people that want to talk about their selling mindset. And so I have so many thoughts on this. No one, very few, I don't want to say no one, I don't like absolutes, but very few people are searching and are going to pay a thousand, two thousand dollars for mindset. And say so, it again for the people in the back. <laughs> so, an example of this is last year, I paid thirty thousand dollars to be part of a mastermind. I knew that this coach is super into mindset, but one of the questions I asked on the call, the interview was, Hey, I love marketing. This person is a genius marketer. I want to be like, let's get the marketing stuff down. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, it's a holistic approach. Yes, there will be marketing. Yes, there's going to be mindset. And I was like, there's marketing though, right? And they were like, yes. And so I paid $30,000. I got zero. That's probably not true, but probably true. About zero to 1% of marketing. But my entire life was changed. I had so much trauma healed and everything, but I did not pay $30,000 to help with my mindset. And I'm someone who is constantly working on mindset, but I was paying $30,000 for marketing and relationships. So this is one thing I would love to hear from your perspective is like, I always tell my students when their framework starts with like mindset, get rid of that. No one is paying for your mindset. Once they get into your program, mindset's everything. But Mm -hmm. marketing mindset is like, 
a joke. Marry me. <laughs> I, anybody listening to this has like, live your best life, step into your life, step into your power. If that is in your sales copy, I need you to pull up your Google doc. I need you to delete it. And then I need you to go to your room. You are grounded. Like that is not good copy. It means literally nothing. And it also is nothing somebody will pay for. People will pay for tangible, visceral results. What, like when we say enter the conversation they're having in their head, what is that F this moment that makes them pick up the phone? I mean, I pick up the phone. This is 2002. I don't even answer my phone, but like pull up Google, start searching, get on Pinterest, get on Google, get on Facebook, whatever it is to start looking for your solution. What is that moment, that problem, that frustration? Like I last week decided I had that moment and I decided I'm hiring a personal assistant, which is a huge, like, I gotta, I gotta do a ton of like mind work around that. Cause that feels problematic and it's not, but I had a moment where I was like putting together a new bed and a mattress for family to come visit and had a client deliverable due. And then my daughter was having a meltdown and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And it is for my sanity. It is for my well being. And at the end of the day, like I need someone to take something to the post office for me. I need someone to research the best mattress on Amazon because, like, my brain does not have that capacity. And so I am paying for capacity. And that is what I'm looking at. And when I'm doing these interviews with these incredibly talented executive assistants and personal assistants, I'm not saying, like, your job is to relieve my anxiety. I'm not putting that on them. That's Way too much. That's my therapist's job. That's my medication's job. Right. And I'm saying like, your job is to help me with this and help me with this. And then help me with this. Like we will drop a hot penny for results. And it doesn't have to just be a financial result. It doesn't have to be a success result. It has to be a solution to a problem. And so many times we cannot put feeling words to our problems. And even if we can, they're not the ones that we're like actively asking people to solve for us. So if you are telling somebody like, I can solve your emotional problem, we don't put money down for that. It sounds too hard. It sounds too like undefined and nebulous. Like I pay my therapist to do that. And half the time I don't even want to show up, but I love it. And I do it every week anyway, you know, like, but I don't pay any coach or entrepreneur or course creator for that because that's not what they do. That's not what I trust them to do. And I am looking for that result, that very specific result. And then I'll handle the emotional stuff. And so when you lead with mindset, when you lead with emotion, not only is that something people are not as connected to and don't trust you to solve as like, they're not connected to their own emotions. And that doesn't mean that we don't respect our audience's intelligence. It just means they may not always have the vocabulary for it. They may not have pinpointed, right. And if they have it pinpointed, you may not. So then you're really disrespecting them. If you're kind of saying like, you feel this way, you do this and you have this problem. And so often and I'm going on a tangent, but I'm going to keep going on it. Cause so often when we're talking about mindset problems, what we do is end up with super shaming message, because no matter what we're saying, no matter how we're telling people that will help them, what we communicate is your problem is your fault. And if you fix your mind, you can fix your problem, which is a super dismissive, disrespectful, and really privileged message of saying like, none of your circumstances matter. And also like mental health is real. That's not something that a lot of people can just like instantly fix and circumstances really matter. And so when we're just saying like, fix your mind, fix your life, that is 
disrespecting a lot of people's experiences and legitimate circumstances. And they're not just limiting beliefs. Right. And maybe that is true, but they also need help with other things. And so when you leave with that tangible result, you're meeting them where they are. You're not guessing at an emotion that they may not be having. You're not triggering something that is not yours to trigger and not yours to deal with. And they actually understand what you mean. So when you say step into your best life, that means nothing. Like you cannot define that phrase. If you can use that copy for your industry or somebody else's industry or somebody else in your industry, then it's bad copy. It does not work. That messaging does not hold water. I don't know what it looks like to step into my power. I don't know what it looks like to live my best life or step into my greatness, but I know what it looks like to show up to a job interview, perfectly come prepared and confident. And I know what it looks like to have systems in my business that allow me to clock out and the business keeps working. And maybe that's the best version of my life, but I'm not paying you to let me step into my life. I'm paying you to help me organize my closet or organize my business or teach me how to handle my finances or whatever the heck it is. It's not live my best life. And so that messaging is often disrespectful to our audience's intelligence, their real emotions. It often puts us in the position of doing something we're actually not qualified to do because we're not speaking to the one thing that we really are qualified to do even if it is the mindset within that, that niche and it's not meeting them where they are. And it's also not giving them something that they are ready to pull out their credit card for. So you can talk about mindset, but certainly don't lead with it. And you better make sure that it's really, really freaking specific. If you're talking about mindset, I don't think under any circumstances, should the transformation be your mindset will be shifted. I like tangible, like you were talking about something tangible and people struggle with like, what is tangible when I'm teaching untangible things? Not everyone's teaching 10 K months, but I always look at it and say, it's a yes or no. Like if you can ask them, Hey, did you launch your beta? That has nothing to do with financial. It's like, did you launch your beta? Yes or no? Yes. Great. You got your transformation. You know, do you have a a webinar? Yes. No. Like, perfect. We got it. Yeah. And I think when we get into an example of this is Amber from Biceps After Babies. She's incredible at this because she meets people where they are. They want to lose weight. They're moms and they've tried everything. Her method is macro counting. You get into her program. The whole thing is what like really people need in order to change. It's not macro counting. Yes, that's her way, but it's like, she has to help you see all these mindsets that we have around Mm -hmm. weight loss that society has put us in. And it's all of the mindset, but you get the result at the end. Hey, did you lose weight? Are you counting your macros? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so even if we're working in something that's like, I have a lot of therapists in beta to biggie. Like we have to take away like this untangible result of living a better life or, you know, it has to be like, did this happen for you? Do you still have anxiety when this happens? Yes or no? Yeah. And it's super important too, to know that if you are a white person who is leading with the message of, if you change your mindset, you change your life, you are ignoring and discounting the experience of people who's lives are very different than yours and also very real because that message does not account for systemic oppression. It does not account for generational poverty. It does not count for like cultural biases that people and microaggressions that people have to deal with every single day. And that by no means means that someone who is living in the margins or is systemically or historically oppressed in our culture, whether it is black, brown, LGBTQ, 
it does not mean that someone living in the margins or that has been historically oppressed is not capable of things bigger and better than anything a white person is capable of. It means that that message is going to be disrespectful and does not account for their life circumstances. Whereas if you say you are a thousand percent capable of this outcome, regardless of your circumstance, because of this methodology, because of this process, because of these very specific things that I'm giving you, then that is, that's something that holds weight. That's something somebody can grab onto as opposed to saying like, yeah, it's real easy to change your mindset and get a Tesla when you're you know, a white man who was born with a trust fund and your college was paid for. Right. Like, and I think that that's really important too, is like, if your messaging only applies to your circumstance, then you really, really, really eliminate a lot of really important people who need to sit at that table. Whereas if you can say, this is the result that I offer. This is the process, which you're so big on is like, what is your process? It doesn't matter whether it's B2B or whether it's making money or whether it's organizing a closet or whether it's getting biceps after a baby or eating vegan. Like this is my process and my process works regardless of where you're starting and where you're starting matters, right? Like that is message someone can grab onto, but the whole like just think happy and be happy. Of course, there's research for positive thinking. Of course that matters. Like that is scientific. It is like, absolutely. It's not that it's not real, but it's just not meeting people where they are. And it also doesn't account for where most people are. So this episode has went way longer than most of ours, because I always say like, we I like always to keep, do. it's a, totally fine. It's one of those things where I always say like, we keep it to just short enough. So the kids can't burn down the house. The kids could have definitely burned down the house by now. And oh, so, my daughter has like, I smell smoke. She absolutely has. And so before we wrap this up, can you tell me three quick mistakes you see in messaging when people are first launching their beta? Yes. Saying what you want to say not what people actually need or want Yep. using the same messaging from start to finish. So not understanding that you're having different conversations at different places in the journey. The third thing is keeping it focused on you. I do this. I've had all these results. I can help you get here. When you work with me, I do this and not focusing it on the reader and what they need. And like, you only matter when they're questioning can this person get me this result? But before that, you have to give them compelling a message to know that they have this problem. This is the solution to the problem. This is what they want. This is what they need. This is the process that will work for them. This is worth dropping money for. And then, oh, by the way, this person is really the one who can get me all those things that I've already decided that I want. Yeah, I think that's a good one because definitely my marketing has evolved, but I definitely started with I. And if anyone's struggling with that, I just want to say like, it's okay. We yeah. all have to start somewhere. But if you want to take your messaging to the next level, this is where Brittany's saying, don't make it about her. And I think this even like our last launch, we switched the story from me for Serve Scale Soar to Stephanie and we told her story. Hmm. And then it's one of those things that they talk about, like, I'm going to say this and then it may or may not sound bad, but it is what it is. Like Stephanie is Luke Skywalker. We're going, here mm-hmm. we go. Star Wars. And I'm Yoda. And you're Obi-Wan. And yep. <laughs> okay. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. I was like, Yoda, I like Yoda better. <laughs> so Yoda's pretty cute. Yoda's pretty cute. So you, you can be Yoda. <laughs> and so that's the thing. Like now my husband's going to be like, Brittany, you just totally destroyed Star Wars. 
franchise the whole thing is done because I'm of you sorry. but that's helped that my daughter thinks that baby yoda is baby jesus she got confused on the christmas store and we've never corrected her so that's that's what you're working with here that's amazing and so <laughs> i just it's one of those things that when we can position it and sometimes you can't do that until you have results i mean we're almost mm-hmm. three years in to serve scale store come july and so it's one of those things like start with the messaging that you can, and maybe your story is what leads it. But also what Brittany's saying is go out and find what people are actually looking for and don't tell them what you think that they need. And that's what the first thing you gave them. And talk to them about them, not about, about you. I mean, but like you said, I can't tell you how many like multi six figure business owners I see with sales pages to start with. I help you do blank. Absolutely make money with that messaging. And there's certainly a way to optimize that kind of flips the scripts and focuses on the person with you're struggling with blank. Those are two very different yeah. things. And I also think a part of that goes into, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's also a price point thing as well. I feel like you can make a lot of money using I help with this at like $1,000, $2,000 under once you start to get into like higher price, like beta to biggie. I'm like a blip on the sales page. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like a blip in the messaging where serve scale soar. It's a totally different conversation. Yeah. So I would actually argue or maybe not argue, but add that I think it's more about where the reader is in their stage of awareness and how saturated the market is. And those are two like really deep dive conversations and the stages of awareness is like everything in marketing. And we can totally talk about that another time, but the you matters a lot at the bottom of the funnel when we're talking about details in a highly saturated market. And regardless of price point, this has been my experience and in, in you studying like um, just user experience and, and buying um, decisions. Yeah. I mean, like that really is nuanced and complicated. And I think it's as a general rule, making it about the reader and then knowing that if they've tried a lot of things and it's a really saturated industry and they're basically on the fence, then your resume is a little more relevant to their buying decision. Perfect. Okay. So Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the show today and just tell my audience where they can connect with you and learn more about what you do and who you are. Honestly, the best way to learn is probably YouTube. I am just constantly talking about what I'm learning and kind of workshopping things out. And, and, um, I don't really know how to like keep things behind a paywall. So I just kind of give it all away and and put it up there. So that would be a really good place. Um, and then the other one, the next best option, or maybe the first best is my email list. That's kind of where I show up the most and people get like early specials or deals, or if I'm experimenting or beta something. Um, so that is, the best place. And we'll drop a link in the show notes, but I have just a quick download that I think is really actual and helpful. It's um, nine ways to write more better. And it's just like a quick list of things that you can um, check off on your copy and and make some fun changes to write with a little more personality and persuasion. And so um, that would be a good way to grab that list up on my email list. Perfect. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you. Y'all, how good was that? We went in a totally different direction than I thought, but there's so many gold nuggets that you can pull out of this conversation. We've linked up all of Brittany's information in the show notes. So make sure to check out Brittany, give her a shout out, tell her what you got from this conversation. And if you're ready to launch your second revenue stream or 
scale the one you have, go to betatipigee.com to apply for a spot in our program, or you can reach out to me directly in a DM and ask me any questions you have about it, because we are always wanting to chat with people who are ready to step into that second revenue stream. So y'all go out this week, serve the heck out of your clients, scale your business and soar into the success you deserve. Thanks again for tuning in to the Serve, Scale, Soar podcast with your host, Brandy. If you loved our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.